Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Ross Bratton, or Brayton. I don't, emails don't have pronunciation guides, but uh, but thank you, Ross, for being a uh, becoming a patron of the original cast. Uh, I guess I should probably thank you twice to make sure I get the name right. So thank you, Ross Bratton, and thank you, Ross Brayton. There you go. You get you get two of them. Um, or Ross Bratteen. Man, now I'm down a rabbit hole. Never mind. Walking away. So thank you so much, Ross, for becoming a patron of the original cast. I hope you enjoy uh, the perks that come with that, including your access to the bonus podcast, the original cast of the movies. Here in 2021, our year of Sondheim, we... What's out right now? What is it? May? May's episode is out right now. That is The Last of Sheila. That was a hoot and a half with uh, Chris Klimek and Joanna McKee. And June's episode, you are just, you're absolutely going to love it. I just recorded it. And it's Casey Aaron Clark and Kevin David Thomas talking about the film version of A Little Night Music, which is all on YouTube, I discovered. You can find the complete movie on YouTube. So go Here's what you do. You go listen to the episode we did with Emily Clark, so you get a good background on the musical if you don't have a good one. And then watch the movie and ask yourself the following question. Is this movie connected to the musical, and if so, how? That's your homework. Go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and become a patron of the original cast. You get so many great uh, perks. You help support the podcast that you love. And then you, you get to be one of the people like Ross who did such a cool thing and, and all those other cool people over there who are who are getting all this bonus content. And, and, and you know, you will like bonus content. Everyone likes bonus content, I think. Patreon.com slash originalcastpod. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Ross. However you pronounce your last name. Thank you. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is someone you may have seen off-Broadway, you may have seen her in a cabaret, you may have heard her if you're listening to this podcast on the award-winning holiday album with Marty Thomas. It's Marissa Rosen, everybody! Hello! Hello! Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being had. It is so, it is so lovely to see you, and because you came here to talk about... The Rocky Horror Show. How do you do? I see you've met my faithful handyman. It's just a little brought down because when you knocked, you thought you were the candyman. Didn't you freak? Don't get strung up. By the way I look, don't judge a book by its cover. Oh, much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite, sweet transvestite, transsexual, Transylvania. <laughs> the Rocky Horror Show. We have talked about the movie on our movies podcast, but we've never talked about the stage show. And so I'll start as I start uh, every episode to ask the guest, how did the Rocky Horror Show come into your life? Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. here we go. So (laughs) a very, very long time ago, I was probably way too young to see it. Uh, My mom's best friend, we, we went to her house a lot and she had the VHS of the Rocky Horror in the movie. 
and I just thought it looked cool. I have an obsession with lips. Like, oh, those of you on oh, that's right. That's on like, your email signature. Lips, too. Like everything. Yeah. Like everything. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. love lips. So okay. I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah. And so I played the movie and had no idea what I was watching. Oh, and my, my mom gosh. came down and she was like, no. <laughs> and then that meant <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I have right. to find this movie again. So I just had an obs- I just loved it. Like mm-hmm. Tim Curry became like my favorite, I think probably my first crush in that weird young way. Sure. Um, and then as I got older and just really started loving it, um, I was trying to get every recording of it ever. Mm. And so I would get those box sets and there was like the, um, there was the movie, there was London, there was like pre-trials, then there was Broadway. And when that show came out, I was in high school, middle school, high school, a time when uh you know you're you just love things Mm -hmm. and I lived on Long Island that's where I grew up and we got to come see the show way too many times because I wasn't yet old enough to like go into the city by myself to do the movie at midnight Mm -hmm. I had never done that kind of fun thing Mm -hmm. so yeah I went and saw the show I don't know how we afforded it because I went a lot Really? And had, yeah, and I had like no job. Oh, I'm like I'm I am a proud groupie. Like, do not. I will never fault you for seeing show one too many times because it's me. It, me. What is <laughs> what is too many times? Can you put a number, um, a ballpark number on that? I don't actually don't have I'm don't have a huge number, but it was mm-hmm. probably in like the like twenties or thirties. Really. Yeah, because what, what ended up happening, which I thought was so cool, is, I mean, I was very young, but I ended up making friends with people in the rush line. Oh, sure. And then we all would just go and hang and it became a thing. And then we'll probably talk about it later, but like we befriended the cast and they treated us like human beings, like mm. equals. And mm-hmm. then we would get to just like do the time warp and hang out with them. And uh, they taught me how to treat people who are kind enough to come see me in shows Mm. and loved my obsession with Rocky Horror as well. And they're still my best friends to this day. So that was the long winded answer. No, that's That's so great though, because it's also, I mean, so this did play this Broadway revival, basically played at circle in the square, which is Mm -hmm. a great theater to go see shows more than one set because it literally can be a different show depending on where you're sitting absolutely obviously. yeah and that's that was the fun part there were the rush mm-hmm. seats and there were the regular seats and they always had special guests you know how they stunt cast things to keep mm-hmm. things open sure um and stuff like that and it was in uh it would it played before and after september 11th right so that was huge because i was not allowed to go back into the city after that you know obviously mm-hmm. we were all very right. just horrified and um they came back and we came back. And so it just felt like we were part of something really special because mm. we were able to bring the love of New York city and theater back when it was safe enough to go back. So, yeah. So on average, this Uh-oh. was something I thought about listening to the cast album, how much audience participation <laughs> was there on average? I'm sure you saw some shows where it was like wall to wall and some shows where it was like spot spotty, but like how much would you, would you expect going to an average you know, viewing a Rocky Horror show in 2000. Okay. 2001 Marissa is like a lot, so much. And mm-hmm. Marissa now is like way too much. 
way too much for a live show. If I had to be in that show, I'd be like, oh, you all deserve medals and puppies. They really did a lot of the movie callbacks and they did. But the cast really embraced it. They were prepared for it. Um, Sometimes they were not. And it was funny because they could react. Like, how often do you get to be in a show where you can break that fourth wall in theater Mm -hmm. and have the actors respond to the audience? And they could be pissed off. They could laugh. They could, like, flirt. Um, But they said most of the shout outs. Well, because there's so there's the saying part. And obviously, like, they built in, obviously, in the album, the As you shiver with anticipation. because you you know the audience isn't going to sit quiet for that but there's also throwing (laughs) involved in the when you go see the movie there's you know throwing things at the screen lovingly spraying squirt bottles in the air like all kinds of different things how much of that happened (laughs) i'd say a safe amount what they did i know that they sold the bags like they do at the, oh, the movie. Okay. But it was mostly just, I think it was. That's a good idea. I couldn't afford that because I saw the show too much. So I right. never had one. But I believe they had the newspaper at the beginning when they're That's at good. the Frankenstein place. I think they had cards at the end when they go cards for sorrow. Mm-hmm. It was safe since it was the end of the show to throw those. Sure. And I think they had confetti. Okay. I believe that was kind of it because for safety, obviously, and obviously. cleanup was probably a nightmare. That was what I was thinking. Like, I mean, it's hard. They're not going to let like you can't sneak stuff into a Broadway show to like like that, especially not right after 9-11. Right. But right. It is. Um, it's good that they lean. I mean, they had to lean into it. So I'm glad to hear that they kind of. And they uh, really did. Like looking good. at them now, I'm like, wow, you y'all are sports. Because that would terrify me about this show is that there is a certain level you know, there's always a certain level in theater of uncontrollability. Like that's what makes it great sure. is that it's live and that like, you know, <laughs> to quote the, the, the rent live TV show, anything can happen. But when it's this kind of show that it, that encourages audience participation or actually it doesn't encourage audience participation, just audience participation is built up around the cult status of the movie, not even the show, but the movie, right. it, it would just terrify me to mount it. Because it would be such a, you got to find a cast who's willing to, to go with it. And then you've got to find a house that's willing to be like, listen, people are going to throw confetti every night in the house. And like on a two show day, you've got to clean that up. Well, yeah, I was very impressed by them. And, and it falls under the like the culty, like the evil deads, the, those kinds mm-hmm. of things where that is part of the experience. And, um, but I was always so impressed because it was more of like a loosey goosey show. Like if mm-hmm. you're seeing hello Dolly and you're seeing Rocky horror, like obviously it's a little bit different sure. and there are, <laughs> you can do a few more things <laughs> on stage without getting yelled at. Sure. Um, but I was fascinated by the ensemble that had to cover roles because could you imagine oh, having true. your first time yeah. go on and have people you're, you're ready. Like uh, they did have like pretty set, lines that everyone every time I was there at least there were the mm-hmm. obvious ones yeah but but I couldn't I mean I'm scared enough going on in a part that I was hired for without people shouting at me so sure. I just can't imagine they had just the most incredible um ensemble that have gone on to be the biggest stars ever right oh yeah like, Matthew Morrison was in the ensemble like covering and you're like hi no big deal you're a giant right. star no no big deal no big deal at all no it's but totally fine no I'm, I'm so impressed by them 
Yeah, it is a really like I had forgotten. I didn't realize how long this ran. I will be honest. Like I remember it opening and and sort of being mixed reviewed and not liking the poster art and kind of going, <laughs> OK, like the cast looks cool. You know what I mean? You've, you've got some great people in there. But I, I sort of thought it kind of opened and closed. And, you know, was and it, it ran for, you know, I mean, it was closed for a while, like everything was at that period right. of time, something we can sympathize with now. Right. Um, but it ran for, you know, a year and a half anyway. And and it, it, it has, like you say, like the stunt casting is hilarious. But also insane. the like you say, the um the the coverage, if you if you go to the uh, the IBDB page, the people who are in it, it's just like, oh, yep. Yep, I know that is. I know that is. I know that is. It's, it's incredible. Every single person, and and for me, I mean, yes, I've always been like a, a theater freak fanatic, like we all are mm-hmm. when you're in theater. But the I didn't realize. I was like, oh yeah, I knew so and so, and they they were friends with me when I was 15, 14, and they're like, that's Deirdre Goodwin, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> and then and then my favorite, if you'll indulge me, is sure. one of the I did a, a production of Footloose at uh, North Shore which is like a fantastic theater. Mm. And um, I walked in the room and one of the cast members from Rocky Horror was in the cast. And there's wow. that moment that I wasn't prepared for when, you know, they, <laughs> you come into contact with those people in real life as an adult. Yeah, sure. Um, as a colleague. As a col- as an equal. Yeah, right. And um I got to tell you, I was going to like poop my pants. Like I was like, (laughs) what's going to happen? And I don't, I'm like a proud card carrying groupie of this show. Like you can't, these were like the best years of my life. And um, he came up to me and it was the wonderful John Jeffrey Martin, who's been, Mm. and he was just in kinky boots. And he was like, you didn't tell me you were talented. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's how I usually start my introductions. And it was just and it, from every moment on, I went to one of their weddings. I one oh, of them wow. helped me with my first Broadway audition with sheet music. They just were these incredible people who this was a bizarre show. It's not something you see all the time. Um, and it does have its audience, which I know that I'm sure we were like some of the most annoying people in the world at some point. But at the end of the day, they always knew that they had built in people who loved what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it ran and it, I gotta say, I've worked with a large majority of them and I don't always start it with, hi, I was that 11 year old in the front row. But sure. if it comes up, one of my mm-hmm. first jobs uh, out of college was with Terrence Mann. Oh, and wow. he was like, you look familiar. And I was like, no, no, I don't. No, you're, you're mistaken. <laughs> you're mistaken. Sorry. Sorry. But now Tom it's Tugger. just, yeah, now it's just a gag. So. Wow. That's yeah, really, cool. really special. That is, we should probably, I, I, I think it, this is interesting because like you, you talk about how like, you know, the audience participation gets rowdy. I imagine it probably starts very strong because everybody seems I think everybody knows the first 30 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. and then after that pretty much up to like I don't, I'm trying to remember what the break point is but there's always a point when I watch this movie where you could tell who's really watched the movie and who's like put they put it on at a party in high school a couple of times and they kind of right. lost you lose attention sometime around um, probably when like after Eddie gets killed is sort of when people kind because of, the movie does have a list and the play too has a lull at that point where we kind of regroup for dinner and then we go into that sequence and 
I, I imagine that like when you go see it live, if the audience participation is super strong at the beginning and then kind of gets to the diehards kind of as the thing peters out. But for all those people who only saw like the first half of the movie or the first 30 <laughs> minutes, do you, and I, this is interesting again, listening to it because I've seen this movie a ton of times. I've seen it the show live at colleges, but I don't know if I could do accurately what I'm about to ask you to do, which is you, could you summarize the plot? Oh no. <laughs> Such as it is. You don't have to go beat by beat, but okay. yeah, just do oh, your gosh. best with what okay. is Rocky horror about? Let me know when it's like tomorrow. If okay. I'm still talking. <laughs> So a uh, very long story short, you've got these two very wholesome people, Brad and Janet, and uh, it starts off with them at a wedding and then they uh, get engaged and they're really nerdy and it's amazing. And they are driving home late at night and there's a big storm and they um, their car breaks down and they it's pouring rain and they see a castle. They see a, they see a light basically, right, and, yes. and it ends up being a castle that they want to come and use the phone. And a creepy um, person known as Riffraff opens the door. He's a humpback, blonde, stringy haired, not in the Broadway show. And it was the delicious Raul was going to say, yeah. Um, and if he if he opened any door, I'd be like, I'm coming in. I don't care. Um, they come in, and they are met with this cast of characters that are very unlike themselves. That end up being from Transylvania. Yes. But uh, no one knows what that is. And they're having a party and the time warp happens and they meet Frankenfurter, who is the delicious drag queen, sweet transvestite, whoever he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are introduced to a creation that uh, he has made called Rocky Horror. And he's created this perfect specimen of a man. Um and then people all sleep together and they find their sexual awakenings. Sorry, mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> um, and they're kind of corrupted, I want to say. Like they, mm-hmm. they like kind of corrupt these wholesome people, which is mm-hmm. part of the dream. And their Brad and Janet's engagement is kind of tested. And um, then oh my gosh, I'm like, I could go way, way, way into it. We meet a ton of cast of characters. We meet Magenta and Columbia, and we meet um Eddie, who is Columbia's boyfriend, and he gets killed, sorry, spoiler, by Frankenfurter because he's taking away attention from himself and Rocky, which we've all been there. Right. Um, and basically throughout the show, it's just um, moments of corruption to Brad and Janet awakening themselves into their sexualities, finding their uh, their sexuality. And at the end, um, Magenta and Riff Raff kind of turn on Frank, and they're going back to Transylvania. They're sick of America, aren't we all? Um, And uh, forcing them to go back and they don't want to and they do this whole floor show and they dress in drag and they're... And then at the end of the day, Frank gets killed by his own people. And um, Brett and Janet don't know what to do with their lives at the end. Right. And Rocky (laughs) does too. Rocky dies at the end too. Yes, Rocky does die at the end because he is is, um, faithful to his creator, Frankenfurter. Frankenfurter. Yeah, it's... (laughs) I was exhausted. That was good. That was good. Did you feel sweating. like you get, to get, some, get some fluids? Get okay, some, get I got some, hydrate, 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 hydrate. Um, get some electrolytes in your system. There was well, that's good. It's because yeah, that's you're right. That's what it's about. Like it is really, it's one of those stories, one of those shows that I'm fascinated by because it has just enough plot to propel it forward. You wouldn't say it's plotless, 
Like no. the characters have motivation. They, there is cause and effect. And like when Riff Raff and Magenta come in at the end and take over, they have a reason. It's not a reason I was necessarily prepared for, but it's also, it right. is one that is logical within the confines of the universe that's been constructed, which a lot of that goes to credit, I think, to Richard O'Brien and the opening number. That science fiction double feature really sets you up for what you're going to see but in a very subversive way. And I wonder what like at 11 or in, in 2000, 2001, you knew about, you know, science fiction, double features, Forbidden Planet, you know, Fay Ray, all of these like cultural references that are happening. Yeah, I knew nothing. Show. I knew nothing about it. Sure. Um, but I learned about it. And, and I really I think the cultural references, which I personally turned into a nerd when I found the London recording and the, the scripts mm. and saw how the show had changed from stage to movie back to stage kind of mm -hmm. thing um the most beautiful part about it as i said that whole um kind of storyline is today it's so crazy relevant in such a different way it really is about being yourself like mm. at the end of the day it is a very mm -hmm. lady gaga born this way you know do what i want and be accepted but it's also like i don't want to be here and i want to go back to where i came from or back to who i am and i can dress in whatever clothes I want to be. I can be any sexuality I want to be. I can be any gender I want to be. Um, it, it really was this like truncated education for me of like a whole nother grouping of individuals that I had no idea about mm -hmm. in a, you know, I wasn't talking about Transylvania necessarily, but it really opened up my eyes to um, just the whole world of uh, cross-dressing and drag and uh, trans and, it was just insane. Mm -hmm. and, but it never was in a way that it was like offensive or forced that I felt like I was doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but with the references that you, um, you referenced. Yeah. I had no idea what I, I knew. I knew every word to every song and half of them. <laughs> I didn't know what I was saying. I like that. It, I, I noticed listening to the cast album to talk to you today. I noticed for the first time that science fiction double feature, several of the lyrics are just actors' names without any kind of context. Exactly right. Just, just sings <laughs> two, one or two actors' names. I mean, it works for me. I wouldn't change a word, but at the same time, like, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't, that you just said. <laughs> or There is it, no reason. There's yeah. no reason for it, except there is in the sense that it, you know, not to get too sort of academic about it, but it feels almost, oh my gosh, I hate myself for saying this. It I'm feels right. almost, it feels almost Dadaist. It feels almost in this weird kind of like, and I don't think that was like Richard O'Brien's intention, it, but it has this like, it, it's one of those great things. It works because he says it works. Exactly. And he's good at crafting a world for this whole insanity to live inside of. But it also speaks to why any attempt, I think anything he's written after this, especially the sequel, hasn't worked as well because it, it's so hard to do what he did. It's almost an accident like to me that it, that oh, it yeah. really, really works. Yeah, it shouldn't work. It absolutely right. should, it should not, not work. work. It should no, really no. not. If you beat like you just said, if you if you pitched the story you just told me. <laughs> 
which always includes a point like this. Oh, this is one of those stories where you always reach a point in the summary when you say and then this happens like you just have to toss it out. And like we say, and then there's a floor show and then and you're like, wait, 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 wait. why is there a floor show? It's like, well, there is a floor show. There is has to be a floor show. Why? I don't exactly know. But like but it it makes perfect sense in the context of what's going on. Among exactly right and he managed to create these just iconic epic oh moments gosh, that like yeah. i couldn't say rocky horror without saying floor show and then you're like duh yeah. i know what that is and you're like why right. why were they mannequins why were they frozen you know i missed that part see there's right. so That's, much more plot too much but yeah. there's too much and you're like why wouldn't they come back to life after being frozen into a stone there's, what there's am a, i saying there's a whole character in this show who comes out of a freezer sings a song is immediately killed and is gone. I mean, comes back, but but is not alive, is gone. And that's the whole character. That's all that character does. And you can't take it out. Like, is it one of the, like, where you'd go, oh, well, we'll just cut the thing with Eddie. No, 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 no. If you cut Eddie, we lose tons of stuff that we need. But all he does is come out of a freezer, sing hot patootie, go back into the, and die. (laughs) That's That's what we call the princess track (laughs) in the theater world. There you go. (laughs) But no, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's it's also great in this production that it's uh, uh, Leia Delaria um, playing Eddie and Dr. Scott, which is just such a great, like, oh my gosh, like that's perfect. That is perfect casting for something like this to let her shine. Yeah, yeah. I got to do that role actually in Westchester and it was the joint track playing both both. Um, and it was so unbelievably fun. And then like, this is not like a pitch or anything, but um, I got to do this. Do you know the, the group, the Skivvies, the wonderful, amazing Skivvies. Mm -hmm. Well, I did their Hapatootie for their Rocky horror album. And when I tell you, it's just my ode to Leah Delaria being a genius. It just allowed for this, like, greasy grimy like nasty Janis Joplin thing mm-hmm. and um I just loved her portrayal so much of Eddie and yeah. I love that it was played by a woman um but you're so right he literally comes out and like steals the show and mm-hmm. Frank gets real mad well, and well that, like and out. that's why Frank gets mad I mean that's yeah. the further funny thing is it comes out and steals the show and Frank gets mad that he's stealing the show like yeah. so it's the show within the show of the show and then he kills him <laughs> it's unbelievable and that I'm just I'm I'm getting like torn between your the movie and the show and I'm like oh I don't know which one I even like better in that moment but it's yeah it's a real you can't talk about this stage production though without talking about the movie yeah. because it was a stage and which I think is okay because it was a stage show first, first. It, it, yeah. with that with most of that cast you know, certainly the core people took it, you know, did it in London. It was a hit, took, took it to Broadway. It was a huge flop and then made a movie out of it. That was a cult success. I mean, it took mm-hmm. a long time to grow a long time, but created one of the most iconic characters in, in <sighs> sort of musical history and also possibly in cinema history with Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter. It is like, is a role he basically spent a lot of the rest of his career trying to escape from. Um, and I think it's, since come to terms with it like i think he's fine with it now but i'm sure it was one of those like one of those parts but it is one of the big criticisms i remember about this production of tom hewitt as frankenfurter and 
even at the time when this came out, I remember hearing, you know, oh, well, it's, it's the guy, but he's not Tim Curry. And I remember thinking at the time, of course, he's not Tim Curry. He's, you know, I didn't know his name, but I was like, it's Tom Hewitt. Like, it's not, he can't be Tim Curry, but that is so scary. Like to, to run at a role that is, it, it, it's one thing to play. A, like if you go out and you do Sunny in the Park with George and you play George, everyone's kind of thinking about Mandy Potemkin. If you go out and do Next to Normal, everybody's kind of thinking about Alice Ripley. Of course. But Tim Curry is Frank Herder. Like that is a it's a one-to-one comparison. And so anybody else who goes out and does it, it's instantly like, well, it's like the king and I. It's like, well, that's not Yul Brenner. So sorry. It's like, so hard though, because yeah, know, especially in theater, we're taught to kind of emulate and but never to be that you know you don't want to walk mm-hmm. into a room and be like I'm Tracy Turnblad here's my wig and here's my dress and I'm singing like Marissa Jarrett like no but you want to be like you want mm-hmm. to remind them of and I gotta say I didn't want to see someone try to be Tim Curry because then I would have been like you're doing a terrible job of being Tim Curry right, right. versus like what Tom did is he I mean at least for me because I wasn't mm-hmm. hanging out with Tim Curry um is he personalized it he created this tangible human in his in his own way mm-hmm. and the people that they got to play that role on broadway i mean like i said i saw terrence mann yes lay frankenfurter yes. and i was like oh sure i also saw you in beauty and the beast and mm-hmm. uh that's in javert so this makes perfect sense why totally. wouldn't you be in fishnets in front of me right now yes he was a genius mm-hmm. i mean i don't know i and there's just something about I guess movie to TV, like like Diana coming out. Like people are gonna go and be mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna need her to be like Princess Diana because that's an autobiography. Right. And the kind of thing. But I don't I don't know. I don't know. I I I might have been too young to ever read the reviews. Sure. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> um <laughs> It's, it's well there's no right answer. I mean, because right. the thing it's one of those things that there's every now and again you encounter something in theater that it's impossible to have an objective opinion sure. about. And it's just like, what I'm really impressed with is a, I think the videos I've seen and, and listening to the album, he just ran at it. Like he was just, well, I'm just going to do it. And it is what it is. Like people are going to like it or they're not. I'm just going to do my thing. But I also really like the fact that the, 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 even though I still don't love the cover art for the ZD, sure. I do appreciate the fact that they put him right at front and center of it. And we're like, he's going to have, he's not going to have, you know, the brown fro he's going to have this hair and he's going to look like this and you know who it is but this is our version of that and i think that was a smart idea just put him right on the front of the thing don't hide it don't couch it and don't be afraid of it because if you're afraid of it it makes it worse you know people get i agree and i think they did that with all the characters Mm -hmm. i think they did that with all the characters there were moments of oh yes that reminds me of, but mm-hmm. it was like Magento is Daphne Ruben Vega. She wasn't a fiery. Yes. Oh, uh, she a hundred percent is Daphne. <laughs> you know, and I, she, yes. that was, uh, there's, I mean, that's its own podcast. There's itself. a lot of, well, you know what? I wonder if you, what you think about this also Please. as a, as, as a, as an actor, because there's a lot, what, what this cast is full of, especially the original cast is actors who make choices. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And and up down to and including Alice Ripley, who, like Mandy Patinkin, is a choice. Like that's that's a like that she doesn't make to choices. Alice Ripley is yeah. also a choice for anyone yeah. else. <laughs> casting casting Alice Ripley is the choice. Like that's that's what you get. Casting Mandy Patinkin, that's the choice. Like exactly you're getting right. you're getting what you're getting in that moment. But 
you know, not to be outdone, Ralph Sparza makes choices. Like his characters are all so clearly discrete from each other. Agree, disagree with those choices. They are choice. You know, love is Bobby. Hate is Bobby. He made a very specific choice to play that character and created a unique Bobby. And I can and I can imagine again, having seen there are some videos you can find on YouTube of this. His riffraff looks nothing like riffraff that I knew. And yet in it's riffraff, it's an entirely realized riffraff, which I really, really, really appreciated. His riffraff was out of this world. His time warp, like for me. Yeah was like my awakening like I don't even I don't know whether it be just dumbfounded as a singer like how he sings that way mm-hmm. uh dumbfounded just physicality dumbfounded by uh I don't know there's the uh, sexy sleazy almost that mm-hmm. like that's so hard to do and be likable in a show mm-hmm. Because you don't want to be like the creepy uncle, but you don't want to also want to be the guy that like no one's attracted to. And you're like, why am I attracted to this like weird, greasy, hunchback alien? But I am like, marry me tomorrow. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. Listen closely. choices alice made choices i think one of the i say safe in the most um loving way i think um jared emick as brad was just it made perfect sense like everything Mm -hmm. he did was like i didn't think he was barry bostwick from the movie but i was like you're it you're like nerdy lovable able to be persuaded and have like six left feet and Mm -hmm. i'm in love with you but it wasn't like i wasn't like whoa you're like a gospel but that's the brand. part. Right, but that's yeah, the part exactly right. It's like it, and that actually is its own kind of like I'm glad you brought that up because that doesn't get celebrated a lot is the how hard it is to be surrounded by all these people doing this fun outlandish dialed it up to 11 like I say Alice Ripley even though she's playing Janet it's still right. Alice Ripley like it's going <laughs> to be what it's going to be. Um and how he Jared has to as Brad Brad be the rock. Exactly. He has to just do it. He has just to be like not straight down the middle, but like, you know, he has to walk that reality line. So the audience has something to hang on to. Otherwise, if Brad's nuts, the whole thing's going to fall apart. Like it just then the world falls apart. It all it all crumbles down. And also then, though, he gets to be this straight laced, you know, middle of the road, white milk toast guy. Right. When he does make mistakes and has you know it, it it affects you as an audience member and that is so tricky to do yeah it reminds me i was listening to the behind the curtain podcast and john rubenstein was on who was obviously the original pippin and mm-hmm. he talked about that playing pippin that like 
Pippin's job is to come out and be the everyman for the audience. And everybody else's job in that show is to go crazy and have one great song or be Ben Vereen, you know, whatever. Like, it's all very fun. But Pippin isn't fun. He said it's a good part, but it isn't fun to play because you have to be the audience yeah. conduit. Exactly right. That's but so if true. You, yeah. But without you, without that audience conduit, it, it the whole thing falls apart. So it's, yeah, it's a really challenging that is really so hard. I, I didn't think of it that way. And you're so right. They had so, I mean, especially in the stage show. Yeah. They had so many, like the rotating people that were coming in and out between the narrator mm-hmm. and Riffra. I mean, Sebastian Buck was in the show. Oh, and yeah. uh, Sally choice. Jesse was in the show. Another and choice. Hen- it, wasn't, um, what's his name from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Wasn't he Oh yeah, Robin it? Leach. Robin yeah. Leach, yes. Uh, what was it? Was it Teller from Penn and Teller? Like I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joan Jett was in the, was the original yes, Columbia. Was the original Columbia, yeah. And you're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's what? a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Like, totally. okay. So how does, you know, you in 2000, were you way on your way to being a performer already at that point? Or did, was this like, and this was, so this was like, a, this is another, that like kicked you into second year kind of thing. Um, I would say seeing the show, I was already like, that's mm-hmm. where I wanted to be. And that's where I was going. But I do think that the movie had a big uh, to do with it. It was mm-hmm. um, it started like my weird memorization of something like I memorized mm-hmm. like the whole, you know, all the songs, all the da, da, da. and it just made me want to be on stage. Um, but I think the stage show on Broadway, especially with the people being so kind to me, was the catalyst for me being like, I can do this professionally. Mm. Um, I, I'd already, I'm, I'm a music nerd. So I was in like six choirs and I was like a music theory nerd and I did all the shows in my school, but you know, living in New York, you don't have as many like regional opportunities cause you have Broadway. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, we don't have a lot of like community theater. Sure. Um, so yeah, there was just something very magical about it. And I, I, I really can't tell you, I know to some people it will sound silly, but it was like the most important, wonderful time in my life was during this show. It was mm. like a weird life moment. Uh, I don't know if it was age. I don't know if it was the fact that we was, I was being independent. It was the cast. It was the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I needed to be on stage. It just had so, to happen. So how many times did you go see it before you started waiting around for the cast or talking to the cast or was that was that right okay. away or was it- i gotta be honest with you i'm not that person i'm mm-hmm. actually like i'm still not that person yeah. i'm very shy on stage i know people want to go home like i have like significant jewish guilt from like birth mm. um that i never wanted to bother people sure. but my friends did so i would stand <laughs> there with them um it actually i think it went in reverse i think i was more keen to wait for them when i didn't know them then when we started getting to know each other, I was like, oh, they're going to know I was here. I'm going to bother them today. <laughs> but they were, uh, again, they were so gracious. But yeah, I don't think we ever really stopped because we went into Manhattan from mm-hmm. Long Island. I was like, we took the trip. Like, sure. let's say, hey, but we, we weren't like, we weren't like, you must stop and take photos and things like that. We actually became like, in my mind, friend, friends, you know, acquaintances in a sure. way where it was just like, hey, and I'm like, hey, and mm-hmm. It was really cool. What um, was the yeah. uh, what was the stage door life like in the turn of the century? Because that's so, that's a funny like I, I as somebody who I was in college in DC at the at the time wasn't going to a lot of Broadway shows, but never like yourself, not a big waiting at the stage door yeah. person. Don't want to like like you say don't want like people are they they're at work and going home. 
I don't know what kind of week they've had. Like, you know, that'd be great. They don't need to take a picture with me. And the whole, the way the culture has developed since that. I remember I, I went to see um, uh, How to Succeed in the most recent revival. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend uh, in the cast and I went backstage afterwards to see her and the crush of people waiting to see Daniel Radcliffe. And then mm-hmm. the sound I heard when he left the theater, like a jet engine taking off oh, in the street yeah. and just being like, that has always stuck in my head of a like, that's horrifying. I'm fine. I'll be over like, I'll great. Also, I'll send them a tweet later, you know, saying loved you tonight. Like I, they don't, they can read that on their time. They don't need it. Like, you know, they don't need me right now, but what like back then when it wasn't social media and it wasn't, you know, cameras and phones, when you had to have a disposable camera or something with you to get these pictures taken, what mm-hmm. was it? Was it, was it a lot of people waiting? I mean, the show would obviously be more than a lot, but was it, was there a big culture around? Waiting it was a really for? big crowd. Um, mm-hmm. it, w- it wouldn't be like rock concert, like now, like sure. the Joe, you know, the Jonas people and the, any of them that are in shows and the Daniel Radcliffe's and the, right. but now even like with the be more chills where they're just like famous from social media, things like sure. that from the love of that show. Um, I'd say it was probably a good in between of like mm-hmm. a regular kind of show and a rock concert there. People would literally come to the stage where that didn't see the show. Oh, I remember okay. people showing up or being in line even like before we got out of the show, mm-hmm. um, especially when there were some stunt casts. They didn't really stunt cast anyone. Like, I don't know how many, I'm sorry if you know her, but like, I don't know how many people were like coming to dote on like Sally Jesse, but like sure. Sebastian Bach had the weirdest people come. <laughs> I remember I was like, <laughs> they all looked like him. They all had this like long hair and like tight pants. And I was like, Oh, whoa. Yeah. Um, but it was, I'd say it was pretty normal for stage doors that I had seen. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, growing up on Long Island, like we would maybe wait with like my parents or things like that. But um, the cool part about the circle and the square that shares with the Gershwin is there really is a ton of space. Mm-hmm. So you didn't necessarily have to like crowd it a door. They sure. were kind of, they were leaving. Like yeah. they were going to walk your direction if you wanted to stop them, things like that. But it was not that crazy screaming, but there was lots of support. It was like sure. cheering. It was like, you just saw like a cool person play an amazing role mm-hmm. and you want to cheer for them. Sure. It wasn't like the Beatles. If that's right. kind of what you're asking. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's also, I mean, this is obviously before it got, you know, it was a thing people did, but it wasn't like we didn't have any of the stories of people getting mad at people for not stopping or whatever else is, you know, that kind of happens. <laughs> I can't tell the story. Uh-oh. I'm going to tell the story. Oh, I can't wow. say who it is. I can't say who it okay. is. Okay. There was one day. <laughs> oh, no. It's funny that you say did, uh, disposable camera. So I had a digital, like one of those like digital Ooh, cameras fancy. and it was yeah, like a yeah. Canon. I know. Yeah. And um, I remember it was like an afternoon. So it was a matinee and I had had my friends there and we were going to go out and the cast was kind of coming out. And I remember someone stopping one of the cast members and um, they immediately were like this, like grabbed their, their phone. And like in that time, like the probably would have been what, like a flip phone or something. Like it's not, it's not a giant iPhone and it ended up being a digital camera and they just put it up to their ear to pretend they were on the phone. and walked away from this poor person and i was like did they just do what i think they did and everyone was like did that person just talk on it and it was just just like one of those right everyone else was so kind and gracious and normally i'm sure that person was i've never personally uh had waited for that particular human sure but 
<laughs> well, like you say, you don't know what I mean, like the stage door is extracurricular. You know what I mean? Like it Absolutely. is. It is bonus material. It is not the show. That person has a job to do. They have to do it eight times a week. Whatever gets them through to give you the performance. that 100,000 you- percent. I think it was just a matter of them not even being like a hello. Yes. Because that, that was different. Sure. But like there's a and, yeah. and coming from a person who now does this. I'm like, we have doctor's appointments and auditions and naps and jobs and right. self tapes and yeah. uh, things like that. Like, you know, it really is extra and it is an amazing thing to get to do. Mm-hmm. But you forget that these people do this eight shows a week. Yeah. And there are different people in the audience eight times right. in those eight shows. So. Yeah, I I appreciate especially at a matinee. Like it's just know. you know that person. Is- imagine doing that show just like on the, in the afternoon. I can't, there are some man. I can't. No, frankly, no. <laughs> I cannot imagine doing that show at two o'clock. <laughs> getting it feels done weird. Four. It feels like sacrilegious. <laughs> but also turning around and doing it again. Like I just can't. There are some shows for and not this one for like oh that's such a, it's not like performing christine die twice a day right, like i right, can't right, imagine right, right. doing that or even the like any of those parts it's not that the challenge of the actual like music or anything it's just this is a show that i think you really do leave it all on the on the stage yeah. if you're doing even if you don't want to i feel like you could get caught up in the momentum if you're trying to mark a little bit you could still get lost in just the the the, the way the show builds, the way the score builds, the way things push to this finale, you could find yourself just completely like, oh, well, I was going to take it easy today. And I really, really you didn't. Can't. They had yeah. a live band behind them. And the intimacy of that house, if you haven't been to the Circle and Square before, it's, a, it's, it's, oh, it's in gorgeous. the round. But so in great. this particular show, it was in the like a U shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this iconic moment in over at the Frankenstein place where it started looking like theater seats in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the there were like fake mannequins and the ensemble, um, which were called phantoms. Mm-hmm. And they were sitting in the seats. And then the epic part of over the Frankenstein place happens and the seats turn over and it turns into the stage. Oh, wow. And, I, and then they pull down a curtain. It was one of those like chills. You know, you have those songs. Sure. That chills. They pull down a curtain and the whole band is behind this like metal web of, oh, I don't know what, um, but you're, you're absolutely right. And every cast member that I've ever spoken to about that show, they literally said that it was the most fun thing they ever did. Like they didn't, yeah. sometimes they didn't think of it as like, you know, not, not as a show, but like it wasn't work. Right. It was just fun. Um, and that is so, you're so right. I think going back to you asking if it was the time I knew I wanted to be on stage. Mm -hmm. You ever see, you ever see the Christmas spectacular? Yeah. Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. You know how the Rockets you'll see like ballerinas walking around with like full face and like a hat. Mm -hmm. That's some people's awakening. Mine was Terrence Mann coming out in a full face and, and just eyes and a baseball hat going to lunch. And I was like, I want to be able to, I want to do that. I want to feel so cool and wear a hat and a full face of makeup. Right. And go to Dwayne Reed. Like that's what. What, what is that? What? Because I totally identify with that. The, the sort want... of like, it's it's the I I went to my uh, girlfriend at the times junior prom. I was playing Harry McAfee and Bye Bye Birdie. I was late for the prom, and she knew I was going to be late. Like this is all. This is not like I wasn't. I didn't leave her in the lurch. But right. I, put, I, you know, I had a tux because I was a mixed chorus. Put on my tux right after the show. But I had my hair was like flattened down actually it was combed exactly like my grandfather's hair and i had white in my hair and i just went like that to the prom because i thought i was awesome you know what i mean (laughs) 
my mother was so mad at me for doing that. My girlfriend thought it was great. But like, what is it about the theater people that we're like, no, we're going to wear our makeup out. Like, that's part of the coolness of it to us. It is, I think. And and looking logistically at it, like for him, I just think oh, it, was, sure. it took so long. Sure. But like, but why does that attract you? Like, because I, I totally feel you in that moment. I of, don't know, but I was like, so I amazing. need to do that. I need yeah. to have lashes on and walk down a street that I have no business walking down in a full glittered face of makeup. He was sitting, he'd sit at a pizza place. I remember we like ran into him once and he was sitting just like eating pizza. So a glitter on his lips, full face. And I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this. And you're just, and you don't know why. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's so funny. it's incredible. And I think it's universal. I think it is this thing. Like I think every single theater person saw you just now in that moment of the like, oh yeah, we've all been, I remember I went to see when I went to see Secret Garden and we were hanging around afterwards, not like wait stage door, but like hanging around. And whoever was playing Dickon came out of the stage door in, like you say, in makeup and partially in a coat and was clearly just like running somewhere to run back sure, and, sure. Was, and was still in like partial costume. I'm sure the costumer loved this, mm, uh, but like. But I, in that moment, I was totally like, oh, wow, like that's that's incredible. Like that's that's amazing. And they had I remember he had an over the shoulder like messenger bag, which in the early 90s was still like was so cool something. And I was yeah. like, oh, well, I have to have that bag. That is a bag <laughs> I must have. That is. But it's come- true. And girl, I mean, not just girls, but girls yeah. with pin curls in their hair. Sure. I was like, I oh, ha- yeah. I can't wait because I remember actually Alice Ripley would always come out with like the perfect head of hair after taking her pin curls out. <laughs> I look like a drowned rat after a show. Okay. I never have ever taken out a pin curl and had like a luscious head of curls. I, I look like I just took a shower. <laughs> and so I just, I was like, oh my God, they're so cool. I have to have those. And it was all a lie, but no, I'm just so fast. I was always like, what's their hair going to look like? What's, what's the prep? And now knowing like how much goes into stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, I literally always have a hat on me. So I don't have to take out my pin curls. Mm -hmm. I have sunglasses. So I don't have to take off my lashes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now it's like, it's this weird, like went from fantasy to, I must, I have to do this because this is how it's going to work now in my life. Completely. This is, this is all it's going to be. So what was the, like, where did you go from? rocky horror into into the the world i did music uh my whole my whole life Mm. i played uh violin and piano by ear and every vocal ensemble you could be in i was in um all county all eastern um jazz mixed choir women's choir concert chorale show choir things like that and then i would do all the the shows there which we actually did pippin my uh my Uh, freshman year which was so fun there you go um, yeah, we did that. We did Into the Woods. We did Sound of Music. Um, I'm missing one, but who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved to the city and I went to New School University. And oh, okay. so I was literally doing school work and like finding out what it meant to like audition. Sure. Um, I had been called in for Hairspray when I was like 14 when they were first casting it on Broadway and that's when one of the cast members the unbelievable Denise Summerford um befriended me and gave me sheet music because I didn't know like how to audition and she was like I was like I think I want to sing this and it was like one fine day because they were asking for like 50s songs and uh yeah so that happened and then I started doing uh regional theater and I've been everywhere and around the world i toured with priscilla internationally and Mm -hmm. you know brought myself somehow back to broadway so it was very 
it was just a, I kind of haven't stopped going since I started, which is uh, I'm very happy about. Well, that's good. That's <laughs> really good. So as somebody who's done, you know, character parts, but also, I mean, you do a lot of cabaret as well. Are you more comfortable or maybe not more comfortable, but do you find it hard performing as yourself? Is that harder for you than performing as a character or are you more comfortable kind of as yourself than than as a character on stage? Just something Marty and I talked about when he was on. Which is exactly what I was going to talk about is Marty Mm -hmm. Thomas. When you asked this question, I was not comfortable as myself (laughs) and in no way, shape or form did it reflect how I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. I just didn't do that. It's a different skill set. I mean, it's a totally literally have spent my entire career, you know, playing characters, Mm -hmm. you know, taking yourself into that different world for the two and a half hours. And I remember it was actually Marty who uh, in the show diva that he created mm-hmm. Thomas presents diva. And I was in that show for seven years and um, I had the cutesy thing down the toddlers and tiaras, like come out kind of smile, you know, <laughs> a song starts. I turn right. into Aretha Franklin song ends. I turn back turn into the back toddler into and, a tiara, right. and I walk off stage and he's like, you gotta knock it off. <laughs> You gotta stop that. And I was like, he doesn't speak that low. He's got a much higher timbre than I do. <laughs> but he, he is the reason that I can do any of that. He was just like, nope, let's do that again. And he always called me his little like uh, Frankenstein monster. Because he just like moldy, moldy, molded me into this like weird Barbie doll of whatever he wanted to be that turned into like a drag queen and Nicki Minaj and Cher and also maintained my musical theater status. Sure. Um, but I was a quote unquote diva. And um, the cabaret scene for me has been the weirdly some of the only times I get to sing as myself because mm-hmm. my voice uh, definitely has more of a husk, more of a soul to it. Mm-hmm. And the characters I'm usually cast as, especially earlier on in my career, were the cutesy, you know, the footloose and the Tracys and the this and that, which I love, but that wasn't naturally what I sounded like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden I was being, people were writing things and I was being cast in things like Priscilla where I was mm-hmm. the diva. I was singing as the diva and, um, I had a love of backup singing and I would sing backup for anyone and everyone that I could. And I would arrange for anyone and everyone that I could. And, um, those kinds of things, um, got me my current job, which is mm-hmm. like absolutely insane. It's just all reputation and all, uh, being comfortable being myself on stage. And so what? When you're starting out, like you talked about being able to do a lot of different things just now, like being able to arrange, being able to play a lot of instruments. Thing. But there is this sort of trap that I've seen people fall into when, they, when they're multi-talented like that, where they end up being everyone's arranger or everyone's accompanist and they never get to do their thing. Did you have to like find yourself, like assert yourself in moments and be like, I'm not going to arrange for that because like I have to do my show or did you have you been able to sort of fluidly move among all those different jobs i think it was actually the opposite for me i mm. think i was doing all the things that uh were like front and center we call it down front and mm-hmm. uh, and you know i wanted to be back up there um and a lot of the especially just in pop music and r&b music you know backup singers are these i visualize them as these like amazing like people of color that are just like fierce people behind like Kelly Clarkson and Aretha Franklin and Christina Aguilera. They always have these like beautiful black women Mm -hmm. just like nailing it. And I was like, I want to be them. Mm -hmm. I want to be that. I know I look like this, but I want to do that. And um, it really was, I don't, I think I've had to fight to do those things. Mm -hmm. I've kind of had to fight to be the backup singer and to be the arranger. So right now Mm -hmm. I'm in that part of my 
career, which is cool. It's kind of reversed as to, I'm sure what other people that are like, I don't want to do that. I want to be down front. Sure. Kind of thing. And I'm, I don't know. I, I love, uh, not standing behind people that's not I love supporting people because mm-hmm. I feel like as someone who arranges or Marty likes to call them support vocals mm-hmm. instead of backup vocals is you're making the singer feel safe mm-hmm. they're always going to sound great you're just amplifying their sound and you're making them feel like they have someone behind them should anything go awry mm-hmm. um they don't have to figure out where they are or what they're doing that's our job sure so it's kind of cool it is cool. I mean, it's sort of the cabaret or live performance version of being a character actor almost yeah. that you are. It yeah. really is. And I've mm-hmm. actually, hilariously enough, after doing Diva, I'm kind of able to find that balance between like toddlers and tiaras and drag queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of where I get to live. <laughs> the two now extremes that I, of the scale. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the baby child of that. <laughs> Living <laughs> nicely, nicely in the middle of that. Right of in that the middle experience. of that. Yeah. It's... <laughs> that's so interesting. I mean, there is such a wonderful it's great when you find the thing you like to do in this business, it, yeah. it, it, especially if it's not the typical, like I like to be out and I'm the star, you know, it's like when you like to be, you, you appreciate the people over here doing the other thing, working this out, you know, doing all that stuff that you can be like, Oh no, I want to, I want to be one of the people that makes it happen. Cause without, like we say, even about, uh, about Jared Emick a minute ago, like without that, it does not happen. It doesn't, it is nothing without, you know, you can be great all you want down front, but if you don't have everything happening behind you, it's not, it's never going to happen. That's exactly right. And especially going from like, you know, production show to say like concert mm-hmm. life, which is kind of where I'm living right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not different in like what needs to be prepared. There's a stage manager, there's light there's spots to be hit there are you know scripted moments in the show that need to hit their mark but the person who's you know down center sometimes they don't know what they're doing they have to do a a two and a half hour show and they've got a tiny little set list and they've got to change costumes eight times and Mm -hmm. sit on a piano here what song comes next here and we're just like I get to stand here. I'll figure that out for you like do not fret my pet like and so you know um that I've been uh hashtag blessed when I say that because I mm-hmm. you know nauseating to tour uh these last oh, pre-pandemic with uh Miss Kristen Chenoweth mm-hmm. and she is the epitome of someone who is sharing and mm-hmm. wants everyone to be down front mm-hmm. and she'll be like this is my spotlight it's tiny come join me <laughs> and you're like what mm-hmm. no 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 and we are her Jaredemics. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, you know, she has taught me such grace and such uh, focus, yet such playfulness. Not everything. I'm an, I'm OCD, like perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And she's like, whatever happens, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I can't have that. Because we're, we're in theater. We're, we're from a school of theater where you hit your mark. Right. And you get from that place to that place. Yes, you could have a little creativity from place to place. But if you don't hit your mark, there's a trap door and you're, yep, you know, you're, you're done. those kinds yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. So it's it is very fascinating especially to hear you asking me the reverse when i'm like oh yeah i did do that kind of backwards didn't i mm. <laughs> that's real but it's so great it, it's the the because the temptation when when pulled down like it, it's that hierarchy thing of like well there's there's you know the backup singers and there's the arrangers whatever and then there's the star all the way at the top of the tree and there's always this thing i think that in in entertainment that if you're not trying to be on the top then what are you doing 
whereas there's so many places to be <laughs> that are so yeah. fulfilling and and essential and you do and people also you don't want those roles filled by people who are on their way somewhere else you want them filled by people who are doing the thing doing their best possible work in you know what's role. weird about that i've mm. had more opportunities to be front and center because i don't ask for it mm -hmm. i've had more people ask me to do solo star things as we're calling them mm -hmm. and i go oh you don't you didn't want me to sing but you don't want me to be becca oh mm -hmm. you want me to that just the, you sure you don't want me to learn 15 songs you want me to learn one and mm -hmm. that confuses me for some reason <laughs> but it really it's really true and it's like i always say you know this especially this world there's a million talented people out there mm -hmm. there's not a lot of kind ones you be kind and easy to work with and people will woo. well that's actually the, the, the next thing i was going to ask you was that like obviously you know what kind of people you like to work with and you were obviously this show influenced that greatly the sort of when you Hugely, saw this yeah. community and you want has it been hard to find a, a tribe of of colleagues who are nice kind you know generous people while also being you know very good like high functioning good at their job you know demanding people you know what no but mm -hmm. i will say it took time i've mm -hmm. got the people they're not going anywhere it's harder for me to get to let other people in these days mm -hmm. um because my musical family is so strong it it almost gives me blinders because i'm like well i have what i need i have my rocks i have my support i have the people that i can call when i need to sing something i have the people that i could jump on stage with that we look at each other marty thomas and i can literally talk to each other with our eyes sure we have any time we're on stage we just go mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know it just doesn't matter um and i just feel like i've spent a good majority of my life collecting those humans mm -hmm. um they're the they're the like hit by a bus ride or die sure. kind of people sure but um i don't know the world uh, there's more kind wonderful talented people than we think but um you just have to filter out some of the uh, the other ones well and i think i wonder if you agree with this i often find that the 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 business mistakes often mistakes cruelty for toughness and it it's it sort of feel like, well, no, you better be, you got to be this way because it's all going to knock you down. It's all going to be. And the longer I'm here and the longer I'm working, the more I'm just sort of like, no, I think if we can all be nice to each other and still perform at a really, really high level, I think that's possible because I've, I've done it. Like I've seen it done and I've participated in it a few times now. I don't think there's any reason for us to all be nasty to each other or cutthroat you know it's tough business don't get me wrong i'm like for you sure got two friends both up for the same part and if i'm casting and like i can only pick one of them but there's a way to only pick one of them and make the other one feel like listen there's a lot of factors here and like taking i think that's the thing is like it, it, it does take a little extra time it takes a little extra just a tiny bit extra time to be kind but in that moment where I've like had two people, I just went through this. I was casting a, a, a movie I'm, I'm shooting and like I had to cool. pick between two friends. And uh, I mean, it's an industrial for the government. Like it's not, you know, it's not a major Cinemaplex release, but it it's just a job, and it pays, <laughs> which is what everybody wants. And I did exactly. have to like, I could only pick one. There's only one part. And so I picked one and then I called the other one and was just like, listen, I'm going over here and this is why. And we all know each other. It's not that big a town. And like, but next time, you know, I'm going to keep putting you up. We're going to keep trying this out. Like, I really do want to work with you. Great. 
and they, you know, and we're all still friends and it's all great. Instead of just being like, no, cast that person and that person can go to hell. Like it's not. No, not at all. And it's yeah. a loyalty. You, 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 yeah. you hit the nail on the head. It's this incredible loyalty where you're like, you're open and honest. And we don't always get that kind of feedback. Like bless sure. you for ever doing that. Like that, that's so kind, but we know that things happen for a reason. And I'm, yeah. I'm a very big believer in that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but that's a tough situation for you to be in especially but i know that i when i've been put in positions where i was like wow i'm at a point where i can cast people in things or i can mm-hmm. hire people kind over talented let me tell you what oh every day, every day. i can teach you how to sing a note i can't teach you to be nice yep. and easy to work with so yep oh a thousand percent and it i'm is- bringing it back to rocky that's those people taught me patience and kindness and they mm-hmm. never acted like oh that child over there who's <laughs> has no more bank account college savings because she spent it on our show. You know, like they were like, hey, Marissa. And I was like, wow, yeah, I'm a human being. They don't know what I did. They don't know who I am. They don't know where mm-hmm. I come from. They were just like, I'm normal. You're normal. Let's be normal together. And right. it, it that that's the biggest thing. And I bring it up all the time when I sang Hot Patootie for the Skivvies. Mm-hmm. I don't like listening to myself saying, I don't like other people hearing me saying, don't ask me. I get it. I know I'm in the wrong business, but <laughs> I voluntarily sent the recording to a couple of the original Broadway cast members that ah. I still keep in touch with. And I was like, hi, I don't normally do this, but hey, have a great day. You're the reason I love this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and every single one of them wrote me like novel sized responses. Mm-hmm. They weren't like cool beans or right. like great or heart. They were like right. this. We knew this was coming for you. You we follow you here. People that I know, they're like, of course. And it's it truly is unbelievable. That and it doesn't yeah. can take that time out. And it does take a little time, but it doesn't take that much time. And the dividends no. are so huge. It's it's so it you know it 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 the 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 benefits are infinite so to to just take a, a minute and be kind to, to the people course, that are, like, you're working with it's yeah it's such yeah. a great and it's so funny to me that you that is a lesson you got out of the Rocky Horror <laughs> See I told you I picked the show for a reason you were like pick something epic and I was like I got the one I got oh, it for you're you set. <laughs> you're all set the Rocky Horror show. <laughs> but it's not a show. It's a show. I mean, it is if it I don't know if the show has a message, but uh, like this, the script, I mean, sure. But a message has grown up around this show, mainly through the movie. And that is like a gathering of like minded individuals who gather together to love this thing, the same thing. Like that is that is the thing. And it's somewhere in this script. It's somewhere in this show. <laughs> it's not like, I don't think it has a message. I would be, uh, I, you know, like, I, I don't, I mean, don't feel it, be it. It's pretty close, but that's also what Frankenfurter says. And he's kind of the bad guy. So it's hard to tell. And I don't quite understand, but like, you know, it, it, it's in there. It's in the world of the show is, is a, a heart of kindness <laughs> that I think is just, is great. It's so wonderful. That you, you got is. that from it. Yeah. I did. Well, because you look at Frankenfurter, exactly what you said. He starts out as this like smoke a cigarette, like can't be bothered kind of human being. Then you see flickers of him of jealousy needing mm-hmm. to be. At the end of the day, he wipes off all his makeup. He's a freaking mess. Mm-hmm. It's his friends. Best friends want to kill him. Yeah. A- and he's all of a sudden like, oh, 
no, I, I do have feelings. And the don't dream it, be it is like, wait, I needed to just be this person that I dreamt of being. It made me a little bit of an a-hole for a little right. bit, but you know what I mean? Like I yeah. didn't treat you guys properly, but if I did, this would be great. And yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it, I'm, I'm creating narratives, but you know, but it I, is in there somewhere. There's something in here somewhere. Yeah, we will find it. I feel we'll, yeah, we'll get we will figure it out. <laughs> but it's like, something like this doesn't survive forever and ever and ever and ever and ever without some kind of heart to it that people can grab onto. And maybe that heart has so built right. up around it. Like maybe it's just the community that has embraced it. Exactly. It's entirely possible that that's what's carrying it through. It's not in the show itself. It's around the show, but it's still without the show there. There wouldn't be the community. So who cares? Like It's great. It's it's. You know, I mean, it's a stone cold pack of weirdos. I am included really in that, is. so I can say it that. Really is, and yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. And one of the first times I ever got to go to that midnight showing, you know, a movie yeah. downtown, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, I wasn't. I mean, I'm a performer, and I was embarrassed, screaming things out. And I was like, how do you guys do this every week? Like, <laughs> they're just, it's just, they don't care. And like, there's really that to learn about. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm saying it now, but like what no one cares if you showed up in fishnets or you were topless or you have mm-hmm. a mustache and you're a woman like mm-hmm. nobody cared. And I just think that that you're very right. It's the community of people around it and that cult following that it it did get really translated um, beautifully. And they and I will say as a musician, they did pretty fantastic arrangements of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a meatloaf fanatic my dad like loves rock and roll and meatloaf i'm like probably the only person you're gonna be like i'm meatloaf's biggest fan so i loved that he was in the movie um but they really got that rock it was Mm -hmm. one of the first things i saw on broadway that wasn't like a broadway musical with a broadway score that sounded like every other musical it was like i was like oh this is a rock concert Mm -hmm. this is cool this is awesome yeah um but yeah just a stone cold pack of weirdos what is your favorite uh song in rocky horror in the in the show on Broadway itself or just in life? I'll let you pick however you want to define okay. that. Um, I will say for the Broadway show, mm-hmm. it's uh, Time Warp. And mm. I think it's just because of Raul. I just, the way he sings it, it ju- mm-hmm. I just get chills every time. Um, I, I'm torn between over at the Frankenstein place because it has that weird transition thing that I always remember. Um, mm. And... <laughs> it ended up being um uh eddie's teddy for a while really? which is dr scott's song yeah because i don't know why i was so i didn't ever watch that part of the movie because sure. in the movie they show uh spoiler yeah. they show meatloaf's body and right. growing up i thought it was his actual body and yeah. i would cover my eyes and i wouldn't listen mm-hmm and I just I don't know why I just love that he said he and now it's now it's opportunity just because I get to perform it all the time ah. but yeah I don't know I just love I just I love, love that all. cast album so much that's great I mean it's clear and it's it's so great that you have a show like this that that beyond the show fostered a, a, an approach you have towards and towards I don't get career. to be nerdy about musical theater a lot anymore you know being in it really like, yeah I mean I was never that go I was away? never like no, 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 no. I just never got there. Right. I never had a thing where I was like, oh, I, I mean, I know every word to Into the Woods. Like I could play every sure. part, but like I didn't, I had rent 
mm-hmm. when I was growing up. That was the first show that I ever knew the entire cast recording before I ever saw it. Um, and this, and the, I mean, it sounds cliche because Rent is like everybody's, but I don't know. This was the first time where I was like, I am a like big, proud nerd theater person and mm. you can't stop me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's it there's a lot of people like me <laughs> oh yeah let's do, and there's i mean listen everyone feels that way about something it can be legally blonde it can be hello sure. dolly it could be sunday in the park with george yes. for marissa rosen it's the rocky it's rocky horror, horror show. Show. i know i built a whole podcast around this theory i'm so thankful i have not run out of guests yet it is not oh, no. It no this is such a cool stopping. thing yeah so absolutely thank you so much marissa this was such a wonderful conversation so thank you for having so me i'm so happy to meet you I and talk about rocky Heart. absolutely it was lovely to meet you as well uh so many people i know speak so highly of you it was it was uh, lovely to finally meet you well same where can people uh find you on the internet oh well the places you can find me for free just kidding yeah. um i am at the marissa rosen T-H-E-M-A-R-I-S-S-A-R-O-S-E-N on all platforms. That would be uh, Twitter, Nicely Facebook, done. Instagram, and the TikTok, but I don't <gasps> get it. Ah, uh, yeah. It's fine. It's not that I don't get it. I have. Oh, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Let's I not don't get it. It's Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. But <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, that's where I am. My website, mercerosen.com. Um, and hopefully the near future we'll be back on tour with lady chenoweth and yeah. be coming to a city near you that'd be great yeah that'd be so great yeah and someday i'm going to get a bunch of like-minded individuals who don't understand tiktok to get and then find somebody who to explain it to us like in a in some kind of organized setting or we'll just make a video about not understanding it and i it'll find be the interface baffling i find it absolutely baffling and well we just spend a lot of our time figuring out algorithms and things for instagram and yeah. they don't work on the tiktok they don't i miss vine <laughs> <laughs> cast is produced and edited by me patrick flynn please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice it's the easiest way to help the podcast grow if you like movie musicals then you have to check out patreon.com slash original cast pod to learn about our bonus podcast the original cast at the movies you can follow the original cast on twitter facebook and instagram at original cast pod special thanks to our social media manager bethany zalecki hi bethany my thanks to marissa rosen for coming and talking to me i'm patrick flynn and i can't I have rehearsal. Oh,